0: Before we jump into today's episode of Survivor Sanctuary, I want to let you know that you can become a supporter of this podcast and help offset some of the costs of bringing this podcast to you each week. You can visit anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary, click on Donate, and you can give an amount starting at $0.99 a month and going up to $9.99 a month. If you love the podcast and you want to keep new episodes coming to you, then visit anchor.fm slash and become a monthly donor today. More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Hey, welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly and happy as always to be here. Well, you know what? I am happy that I get to take this time and chat with you, but I guess I shouldn't say that I'm happy to be here because I would be happy if there was absolutely no need on God's green earth for a podcast such as this one that's what I want to say. Wish I didn't feel the need to turn on the mic and chat with you uh, once a week or so and talk about sexual abuse within the church. But um, that's not the world we live in. So here we are. And since it needs to be talked about, there is no one I would rather chat with about it than you. So thanks for tuning in to Survivor Sanctuary today. Well, it's been in the news for the last couple of weeks. Well, okay, rewind on that. It's been in the news for a lot longer than the last couple of weeks. It's been in the news for several years now, the story of Hillsong and Hillsong founder Brian Houston covering up his father's pedophilia, essentially finding out that his father was a serial pedophile and basically doing everything within his power to keep that information from getting out into the public allegedly. I was reminded recently listening to another podcast where they used the word allegedly quite a bit. So I guess I have to say that he allegedly did this. And I can't just say that he definitely covered up his father's pedophilia and probably opened the door for his father to abuse more young children, which is what typically happens when we cover up uh, for pedophiles. In any case, Allegedly, this is what happened. It's been in the news the last several years. Uh, Brett Singstock came forward. He is the only victim that I know of who came forward by name and said, Frank Houston sexually abused me when I was a child. Uh, so we know his name and we know he came forward with his story and essentially Brian Houston and what was the beginnings of Hillsong Church, made sure that they concealed this, covered it up, sent letters to people telling the other church leaders once the news got out and they really had to say something, letting them know, like, hey, you're not to talk about this publicly. Like, this is not something that is going to um, be made public. And in fact, and I quote, we cannot see any reason for this to be announced to your church or further afield. I can think of like... A couple million reasons why it actually should be announced to your church. And the main reason, of course, um, if you've listened to this podcast for a while at all, or you're a survivor of sexual abuse, or you advocate for those who are, you know all of the reasons to definitely out someone who has been uncovered to be a serial child predator or just I mean a one-time child predator because it's never just one time. If someone has preyed upon a child the way that Frank Houston preyed upon Brett Sengstock you are pretty much guaranteed that this was not a one-time or a one child offense because that is predatory behavior and guess what predators do they prey Yes, even ones who use the Bible and preach and talk about Jesus. Um, when they prey on children, that makes them predators. And as a side note, I think that this is something that's sort of hard to convince people of. If they are not if they don't have skin in this game of sexual abuse in the church, if they've never experienced it, if they don't love anyone who has, they don't really know anything about it, their head's like stuck in the sand. It is really hard to get that across to people. I was talking to someone close to me, actually today, and we weren't talking about sexual abuse within the church, but we were talking about like something super not okay that his pastor had done to him. And no, it wasn't abusive and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't sexual abuse or anything like that. It was just something that was completely not of Christ and something that had no love behind it. And that just really, really bothered me. And my friend said they were struggling to be able to go back to church and to be around him because of what had happened. And I said, you know, that behavior is not okay. Like what he did is not okay. And it really says something to me Of his character just knowing that that's the way that he handled this particular situation not getting into details on this podcast um and he said to me yeah but he he preaches from the bible and that's something that i hear over and over and over from people who have so much trouble believing that someone that they admire or respect spiritually could be a sexual predator but, but he preaches from the Bible. He knows the word of God, like backwards and forwards, like front to back. And he's such a godly man and like is in quotes. And it's like, you know what? Do you know who quoted scripture to Jesus? That would be Satan himself. Like the enemy knows the scriptures. He knows the verses to quote and the sermons that'll preach. Like that's not a thing that, can automatically tell you whether or not someone is a predator or a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I think that we really have to remember that. And we actually had an episode a couple of months back that kind of touched on this, that wolves, it's their job to fit in. It is their job to make people really comfortable with them, and to lead people to believe that they are these super godly people. So obviously, if somebody wants to be a wolf in sheep's clothing, and they want everybody to believe that they're the super godly person, what's one of the first things they're going to do? Learn the Bible. Like, if they're really good at speaking, learn to preach. You know, you can watch, like, we have parodies all the time of people who, like, make fun of certain types of pastors and, like, the skinny jeans worship leader and stuff. Like, people make fun of them, and they can actually act out exactly what it's like to lead worship as one of those people or preach a sermon as one of them. And it's because it's very easy to emulate something that you're studying. It's very easy to emulate something that you see all the time. Wolves in sheep's clothing are not walking into a church with like an I worship Satan shirt on or I don't believe Jesus actually rose from the dead shirt on. Like what their goal is to do is to blend in. And they can blend in very easily in churches. And yeah, they can sling scripture right at you. But just because a pastor preaches from God's word or uses the Bible does not mean, and not just a pastor, but anyone who claims to be a follower of Christ. um, Even the demons believe and tremble. That doesn't mean that they're spiritual leaders that you should be listening to. like It is possible for someone to be A wolf in sheep's clothing who is a predator and who is using the name of God in vain. Like we love to talk about, like especially growing up in evangelical Christianity, um, talking about like cussing or taking God's name in vain. Like that was a huge, don't take God's name in vain. And it was always like, don't say, oh my God. Like that was basically it. Like don't say the name of God. And that's how you take it in vain. But how about you take the name of God in vain when you preach His name in your sermons for decades and decades and decades. And the entire time that you're doing this, you're sneaking into the bedrooms of little seven, eight, nine year old boys and raping them on a nightly basis when you're staying in the homes of church families who have welcomed you in because they think that you're this amazing person. Like that is something that we need to keep in mind. And I think it's something that frustrates me more than almost anything else when it comes to like knowing about sexual abuse and, and knowing how it works and how rampant it is in the church, it is so frustrating trying to convince Christians who love Christian celebrities that it's possible that these people are predators, that it's possible that somebody who speaks the name of God can actually be a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, And I actually had this conversation with somebody on Facebook because I posted something about Brian Houston. As I mentioned, he has been charged by the Royal Commission in Australia. I love that they have a Royal Commission into institutional responses to sexual abuse. And I really wish that we had something like that Right here in these United States or wherever you're listening in the world. Like Australia is ahead of the curve, in my opinion, when it comes to sexual abuse and not just sexual abuse, but it's people who conceal it. Because when you talk about a royal commission into institutional responses to sexual abuse, you're not just talking about, like, oh, the person who sexually abused a child. You're talking about Institutions that have responded to learning about sexual abuse. And, you know, Brian Houston, of course, made his announcement that he's just very devastated. Like, that's, he's devastated by the charges against him. And, of course, I want to say to that, you know, who's extremely devastated? The people who your father sexually assaulted when they were tiny little children. Like, those are the people who are actually devastated. And here's the thing. You know Brian Houston has said repeatedly, "Well, I'm going to fight these charges, and you know, the truth shall prevail." Essentially, but he's kind of already told us the truth. There was like an inquiry into this whole thing, and Brian had to take the stand, and he talked about how he he didn't report his father when he learned of the accusations of pedophilia against him. So I'm not really sure how he plans to defend that. But the good news is. That Hillsong is worth about a hundred million dollars a year, so they can afford the best attorneys for Brian Houston. And I'm sure they will come up with some really, really great arguments and reasoning for why, you know, it was just a necessity that Brian Houston needed to cover up his father's sexual assault of little children. So back to this conversation that I had with someone on Facebook, I posted about Brian Houston and I just basically posted an article that said he had been charged for concealing the child sexual abuse that his father had committed. And, um, I just wrote something like about bloody time, (laughs) like that is how I felt about that. I might have put some devil horns on Brian Houston's head because it's Instagram. There's so many fun filters you can use. But I'm just saying, all I really said was, it's about time he's charged for this crime. And of course, uh, that brings the comments from people who don't like to hear when their heroes are being called to task for doing something terrible. So I had somebody ask, are you sure about this? Like, are you positive? Because I can hardly believe, I mean, this is what I inferred from the, are you sure about this, was are you sure that glorious Brian Houston like could have done something wrong? And I, I was like, hi, you know, very nice and very respectful. Um, the person I I know I'm sort of more of an acquaintance than a friend, and I just was like, yeah, I've I've been following the story for this many years, and I I know how many people came forward with allegations of, you know, this sexual abuse, and his father essentially. You know, admitted that he had done at least some of it. He didn't admit to all of it. You know, I just told her it's it's a big story, and you know that Brian Houston did the wrong thing. The Assemblies of God, which would later become Hillsong, did the wrong thing, and I just explained to her, you know, the dynamics in church, and and how like how sexual abuse affects children across the lifespan, and how important it is to report uh, pedophiles and predators. So that they can be stopped. And I think that that's something we miss. We're not reporting because, you know, especially if you come forward about your individual story. I'm not saying it's wrong if you want justice, you know, as far as if if your abuser deserves to be in person and you want that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But typically, when we come forward, it's because we want to stop the perpetrator from hurting anyone else. And sometimes it's to give other people the bravery to come forward and the courage and the steps they need to take. Um, But you do it to protect children. And I don't think that that can be overstated um, because preventing sexual abuse Is literally the number one way to go when it comes to dealing with childhood trauma. You know, preventing sexual abuse goes a long way to preventing a whole lot of other problems in a person's life. We want to prevent it. And the way that you prevent it is by stopping predators. And if you're not willing to report them when you discover that they're predatory, then you are enabling their praying. Upon humans, like you're enabling that. I've said it before in the podcast, I'm sure, maybe more than once, but I really think that people who conceal abuse are almost more dangerous than abusers themselves. Because here's the thing an abuser is going to abuse, that's what abusers do. You know what I mean? It's like, a predator is a predator, and so what they do is prey. You you know what to expect from them. You know what you know what they're about. They're predators. Um, when it gets to be dangerous, is the people that have the ability to stop those predators, to expose them, and to stop them from hurting anyone else. And when they choose not to do that, they're enabling that behavior. They're, they're taking a predator who is obviously just like a predator is what it is. It's a predator. But then you have these people who are not predators, but they're taking this predator and essentially putting it in an environment where it can thrive and grow and do whatever it wants and pray however much it wants. And it's like they're giving the predator the key to the bear trap over and over and over again. So while predators are responsible for their behavior, yes, I still think people who conceal abuse are actually the more dangerous animal of the two. And that, unfortunately, is what Brian Houston allegedly is having concealed his father's pedophilia. Well, back to this message that I shared on just Facebook stories, Instagram stories. It wasn't even a post and definitely got responses from some people. And the person who asked, you know, are you sure that this happened? I explained to them how I know I explained this story and you know, her response was, thanks for responding. All I can think of, it's like Catholics in confessionals. They can't tell. And then she went on to say that if Brian, you know, truly believed that his father had deliverance and was changed, then maybe that's why he didn't say anything. Um, And another comment that was made that just really got under my skin and I know that this was said in ignorance. that She didn't know what I know and what you maybe know about sexual abuse. Um, but she went on to say, like, if we really believe that Satan's powers can be broken over someone, then we have to give another chance. And then she admitted, like, maybe she's just a sucker, but, you know, we have to give another chance. And, you know, we actually had a really good conversation. And by the end of it, you know, she said that she knew some people who were sexual abuse survivors and that a lot of people had duped her in the past, leading her to believe that they were great people. Anyway, all that to say is this is not like a fight on Facebook that I had or an argument. It was simply, you know, a conversation about what I posted about um, Hillsong and Brian Houston's alleged offenses and i think the thing that gets me about this aside from the fact that we're talking about children i feel like when people talk about sexual abuse it's almost as though they're talking about like someone pilfering funds from the church till or committing some other kind of a crime on church property that has nothing to do with human beings or little innocent children created in the image of god being sexually violated repeatedly like it's almost as though because we don't want to think about what the reality of childhood sexual abuse is that we don't. And when we talk about it, it's like, we don't want to think about it. So it doesn't really soak into like our brains and tell us like, this is a really, really horrible thing that's happening. Like it's not just someone skimmed 20 bucks off the offering plate that passed Sunday. Like that's not what this is. This is the destruction of lives. And so I think that when I get comments like this, it always comes back to, for me, if this were any other crime against a human being, we would not be having this conversation. If Brian Houston had been covering up Frank Houston's stabbing of little children or dismembering of little children or kidnapping of little children, if that's what Brian Houston had been covering up, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I can see Brian Houston like on 60 Minutes. Well, you know, I mean, obviously nobody wants to find out that their father just randomly stabs innocent children just into their bedrooms at night and slam with, you know, a big knife from the kitchen. But I really just felt like, you know, one of his victims who had been stabbed by him just really didn't want me to report all of these stabbings. So I didn't. I mean, seriously, we wouldn't be having this conversation and I wouldn't be having to field questions like this on Facebook. And, you know, I always welcome questions. But, you know, typically it's I don't like it that you're talking bad about someone that I admire and who has been influential in my Christian walk. And therefore, I can't hear anything negative about them because the cognitive dissonance is just way, way, way too terrible to handle. I can't take it. So yes, I welcome questions, but they tend to be like that. It's someone who just flat out disagrees with you and you're typically not going to change their mind. But it drives me crazy that we wouldn't be having this conversation if the crime were anything else. And when I say anything else, I mean, maybe like pilfering of funds if somebody wanted to cover that up. But any other like felony against another human being Brian Houston is not keeping this quiet, allegedly, and no church board is agreeing to him covering it up, right? Like, oh, we discovered that your father, Frank Houston, has, you know, stabbed 11 children. And, you know, they're starting to come forward like, oh, here's my scar. I was stabbed by this man. Like, it was a very traumatic experience. Like, oh. Or I was kidnapped by this man. Or even for an adult to say like, you know, Frank Houston burned down nine buildings like he's a pyromaniac, like and his son covered it up that he was burning down these glorious buildings like we would probably have people more willing to turn him in and to not defend Brian Houston's choice allegedly than if he had done the thing that he actually did, which is to sexually abuse little children, to assault children sexually. And I don't get it. It just is the reality of the way that people talk about sexual abuse in the church. We almost talk about it as though it's not that big of a deal. That's the only way that I can kind of look at it because what other crime like murder if Frank Houston were a serial killer instead of a serial pedophile is his son covering that up is an entire board of godly, supposedly godly men. Are they covering that up if they find out that Frank Houston was a murderer? Are they covering it up if they find out that Frank Houston was bombing places, that he planted nine bombs somewhere? Like, they're not covering that up. And yet somehow, when it is sexual abuse Everyone feels like it's okay to cover this up, to hide something for the perpetrator, to not make it known, and to sweep it under the carpet as soon as is humanly possible. I think I said it on the last episode of Survivor Sanctuary, but it bears repeating, like, I don't know how to make you care about human beings created in the image of God. Innocent, young human beings created in the image of God. Like, we wouldn't let Frank Houston get away with, like, burning down buildings or churches, let's say. He's burning down churches all over Australia. We wouldn't let him get away with that. But you can justify not going to the police and not making it known to your congregation what has happened when he has sexually assaulted children, when, I might add, going forward and telling your congregations is definitely going to protect children. And there's something that's been brought up a few times over the last several years Um That Brian Houston allegedly, I mean, I'm saying allegedly, he literally says this, I'm pretty sure it's on recording somewhere, that his father was not allowed to preach anywhere, minister anywhere, after they removed him from leadership. And then several years later, there is a video of Frank Houston preaching in a church and telling like a very young boy, how handsome he looks. And it's just like, you know, you know, who doesn't know that they shouldn't trust their kids around Frank Houston, anybody in that church, anybody in any church that he ever went to, even as just a guest, because people knew who he was. So even if he wasn't actively preaching, and even if he wasn't actively ministering in these churches, people knew Frank Houston for decades. They trusted him. They believed that he was a godly and good man who only had their best interests at heart. So they let him sleep in their homes. Meanwhile, he is climbing into the bedrooms of his little seven, eight, nine-year-old friend And sexually assaulting them. So, when the meeting minutes of the dudes who got together and decided that nobody needed to know about Frank Houston, when they say, We can't see any reason for this to be announced to your church or anywhere else, I think there are quite a few reasons. All of your reasons under the age of consent. Like, there are your reasons, and there are a lot of them. I'm getting a little bit fired up right now, but it's just the truth because that makes me sick to my stomach. And it's something that the Brian Houstons of the world don't want to consider and they just want to gloss over. To say that finding out your dad was a pedophile was like the worst day of your entire life. Everybody believes that. Here's what I have trouble believing. I have trouble believing that you learned your dad was a serial pedophile and you thought that he was just magically never going to do it again. And so it would be totally okay to let him loose out into the world, not turn him into police and not tell any of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and probably more like thousands of people who trusted him implicitly with their lives and the lives of their children. I can't think of any reason for this to be announced to your church. Those are the words of a person who cares about their institution, their personal relationships, their personal money, and everything else over the lives of human beings. Allegedly. It does not matter if someone who has preyed on another human being confesses to the fact that they have. I mean, good for them if they're forced to confess because someone comes forward and they can't hide anymore. Um, That's all well and good. But in what other crime that is in existence anywhere is confessing to it the end of that story? Like, all we need you to do, Mr. Houston, is confess to murdering these six young men. And once you confess, that's all we need from you. You've confessed. Thou art forgiven. Your sins are blotted out. So we need nothing as like the country of Australia and this government. We need nothing from you other than your confession. That's not how it works. And Brian Houston, I believe fully, is a very intelligent person and smart enough to know that there should be consequences for the crime of sexually assaulting little children. And not only did Frank Houston not get punished by the law, because he passed away several years after you know this story broke and everything came out, um, not only did he not get punished by the law, but he didn't get punished by the church either. And it's not like, oh, punishment is such a great thing. But again, It protects children. I think justice is important. And justice in the legal system is very important. But I think that the most important aspect of the punishment, like if it's going to be a prison sentence or whatever it happens to be, I think the most important aspect of that is the protection that it offers to this predator's would-be victims. Because they're not going to stop. I mean, history tells us they're not going to stop. Predators are not going to change. Frank Houston did not like get caught and then like confess, which he actually didn't. I think um, I read in Jimmy Hinton's blog and and a couple other places that he didn't really confess to every single one of the children that came forward. He basically just chalked it up to an incident of fondling, I think. And like, it was really, really downplayed. Like, no, I'm not a predator. I just did this one tiny little thing and just glossed over, which that first of all is not true repentance. But even if it were true repentance and he had just completely come clean, that still does not absolve us of the consequences of our sin and not just sin, but crimes in this life. You don't get a get out of jail free card because you are a repentant person. Nobody would be in jail. Okay, like maybe 90% of people wouldn't be in jail if being sorry kept you from it. But that's not the way that it works. And I think that Brian Houston is intelligent enough and was intelligent enough at that time to know the truth of that. Instead, they called it a serious moral failure. They chalked it up to a single act of sex abuse that was like 30 years plus ago. And that was it. Like, and then when more accusations came out, okay, there've been a total of six, That have come forward and again the glossing over and the reality of what he has done is not faced head-on and I think that that's the only way that we're able to talk about sexual abuse in the church in kind of the flippant way that people do with like well you just need to forgive well you just need to move on like has it escaped your attention has it escaped your attention that this is a sexual assault of a human being and you couldn't run over this human being with your car. Like if Frank Houston had a habit of running over nine-year-old boys with cars, and that was something that he did because it gave him pleasure, I don't think anybody would have a problem with being like, yeah, bro, um, Brian, we know you love your dad, dude, but come on. Like, we got to tell people that Frank Houston is roaming around seeking whom he may run over with his like 57 Chevy, whatever he's driving. Like, what other crime are we being like, yeah, you know what, I think it's a good idea not to go to the police. I feel like, you know, he's he's confessed, he's serial killed a couple of people, I mean, allegedly. <laughs> so we don't need to go to the police. It doesn't happen. So why do we think of sexual abuse in that way? Congratulations. Sexual abuse is a horrible, disgusting crime. It is also, congratulations, and maybe newsflash, it's a crime, Your dad, Brian Houston, was not getting into, like, little fisticuffs with neighborhood children, and you think it's okay to not report it to... He was raping little boys for years, and if you didn't want to turn it into the police, okay, you love your dad, you think he's sorry, you don't want him to have to go to prison. It's still wrong. I'm not justifying it all. It's completely wrong. But if that were your excuse, if you're like, dudes, like, I'm repenting of my selfishness, I didn't want to turn my dad in because I love him. And I, w- I was terrified that he was going to end up, you know, like being murdered in prison. And I totally made the wrong decision. And I made it out of a selfishness of like, you know, caring about my dad and not really thinking about anything else. Like, I think a lot of us might actually be able to understand that again, wrong decision wrong, wrong, wrong. But I think that we could understand if somebody's like, yeah, I didn't report him because he was old and I didn't want him to go to prison because I was scared he was going to die. And in hindsight, like if the person is actually sorry for doing it, I think all of us could probably identify with at least that fleeting thought of like, do I really need to send this person I adore to prison forever? Is it really like, even if we end up doing the right thing, I think all of us could understand that passing through somebody's head. What I cannot understand is keeping that kind of news from parents who would be able to protect their children. Because again, they might say Frank Houston never preached again. There's video evidence that suggests otherwise. There's also video evidence that suggests the same video that he probably never stopped preying on little boys. And that's when he tells a little boy in the audience what a handsome fella he is. So not true that he never preached again, but even if it had been true, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, everybody trusted Frank Houston. He was a trusted person in a huge denomination in New Zealand and in Australia. And It doesn't matter if he was actually leading the the messages and the sermons and, and whatever, ministering, however, at these churches. The fact that he was there and that he was trusted and that he had a sexual appetite for little boys makes it a horrible thing that they did not go ahead and warn churches who had ever had Frank there to speak or whoever might that this man was a sexual predator of children. Instead, Brian Houston gives his dad a pension, like he gets to keep his pension. We know that you're now disqualified from ministry because you like to rape children. However, we're going to give you your pension. We're just going to go ahead. And oh, by the way, you don't have to confess this sin to the church. You don't have to confess this sin to anybody. We're not going to tell anybody, not even that you haven't done anything horrible against children, but we're not even going to tell them you did anything. You're just going to retire and be like, hey, we feel the Lord calling us to retirement and you can fade off into the sunset with everybody thinking you're a fabulous person. Meanwhile, Frank Houston is laughing all the way to the bank of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of little children who, who trust him and whose parents trust him and whose parents invite him into their homes because they know him as a wonderful, godly man who would never hurt a fly. And yet Brian Houston knows the truth, allegedly, and says nothing to any of these churches where Frank Houston is welcomed with open arms, allegedly, there has to be a punishment. Listen, I'm not saying like lock Brian Houston up and throw away the key, that's not what I'm saying. I know that some people who listen to this podcast probably do wish that would happen, but I'm just saying, there has to be a punishment for people who conceal childhood sexual abuse because the people who conceal it willfully are more dangerous than the people who are perpetrating it in the first place because they're the ones that are enabling it to happen and to keep happening and keep happening and keep. You're protecting a predator so that he can go ahead and pray undetected and you can call it whatever you want you can call it restoration you can call it restoring a brother you can call it god redeeming you can call it whatever the heck you want to call it but what it actually is is a golden ticket for predators to just keep doing what they love to do and keep destroying lives and we're going to help you do it not only are we not calling the police we're not telling anybody And we're just going to make sure everybody thinks you're amazing, and we're going to help you continue to be able to perpetrate abuse and prey on little kids. Because you know what? We don't want our church to look bad, allegedly. We don't want whatever it was that was going through their minds. But honestly, if you... read a lot about this in the meeting minutes, one of the meetings, and listen, I can't keep track of the names of all these meetings and all these people who were, I suppose I could if I had time to like (laughs) write all that down, but I'm just saying, in the meeting where this was discussed with Brian Houston and other like denominational um, leaders, I believe, um, or maybe it was just the leaders of this one church, in this, the meeting minutes of this conversation Brian Houston literally says something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing here, it's not a direct quote, but like that he had spoken with attorneys and they said that if he were to call the police, that, that, yeah, his dad would more than likely serve prison time. And then, you know, he doesn't call the police. So I I don't want to say I would be interested to know because I'm not interested. I'm the least interested that a person could possibly be. But I wonder, like it keeps me up sometimes, like how many children Did Frank Houston go on to abuse after his son found out that he was a child rapist because his son didn't want to turn him into authorities? And it's not like a statute of limitations had run. And that's the thing. Here in the United States, if the the statute of limitations has run and you want to say, well, yeah, I didn't contact the authorities because like the statute of limitations around. I would say always err on the side of go to the police. If you think there is even a chance anyone has thought about this crime, go to the police. Like better safe than sorry, because when you don't, predators are left free to prey on people. And hey, that's what they do because they are predators. They're not little sheep who fell down and, you know, became evil all of a sudden, grew fangs out of nowhere. They never were sheep and they never will be sheep. They are predators. So the fact that a predator in Frank Houston was not held to task, um, even, again, even if he had just decided, I'm not going to tell the police, we might have some empathy for that, some sympathy, like, okay, we get it in a moment of weakness. We might've done the same, made the same wrong decision. But what I will never understand is how they could say that they cannot see any reason for this to be announced to any of the churches where Frank has preached, where he has been respected, where he has been trusted. Um, You might get me on the, oh, I didn't know that I needed to turn him in because it hadn't happened, you know, in more than 30 years Didn't know it was a big deal. All right, fine. We'll give you a pass on that one, maybe. But I will not give anyone a pass ever on we're not going to tell the church the nature of this person's crimes and we're not going to tell the church that they should not trust him with their kids. Because basically what you're saying is, my pedophile child rapist father, Frank Houston, is more important. His life is more important and his soul is more important and his comfort is more important than the the innocence of a little child. Like we're going to choose to protect the predator and not even tell the shepherds, like the parents of these children, not even tell them that Frank Houston is not a person that should be trusted. And that just bothers me. Like, it's not, you know, it's not like any big um, aha moment in this podcast today or some huge truth that just needed to be dropped on you. It's just a depressing reminder of what people do when they find out that church leaders, especially ones that they're related to or that they really, really like or are super popular, like, it's what people do when they find out that an important person, and I'm putting important in quotes, is a child predator. it's just depressing. It's depressing that you look at somebody who would be able in any scenario in life to be able to sexually assault an innocent child and you would look at that person and think that they're the ones that need protecting. It's gross. It, it makes me physically sick to my stomach. And I think that that is the problem that people have with Brian Houston, allegedly. And I will say that I know some people, especially some of my friends from down under who listen to this podcast, who are probably like, yeah, that's not the only thing we have against Brian Houston. And I get that. And we could probably talk about Hillsong and Brian Houston and the fact that YouTube has removed the BBC documentary about Hillsong. And I'm super depressed about it because I didn't get a chance to watch it. We could talk about all this, but that is not what this podcast is about. So I am going to end it there for this episode and just say that I talk about in this podcast quite a bit, that if there are consequences to not reporting child sexual abusers, and this is so sad because it's so selfish. Like it's, sorry, the the hearts and souls of innocent little children don't move us. However... Having to go to court or prison or having to pay out fines, like that's going to get our attention. Um, It really, that depresses me too like that we can't get people's attention just on the merits of sexual abuse is a really horrible thing. Like that doesn't work, but maybe this, this'll work. So I've said in the past that I think suing churches and hitting them in the pocketbook where it matters to them clearly, um, because children don't, you know, hitting them that way, I think it's the only thing that's going to help change. And I've said that before, like you, you got to hit them where it hurts. You know, if sexual abuse and, and the destruction of innocence doesn't hurt them, well, I mean, I don't know what to say about their souls and their hearts, but I do know that that's not going to, you know, we're not going to get them with some tear-jerking thing about how much a child suffers after their abuse because obviously it doesn't matter to them. But if we hit them in the wallet, that's probably going to work. And I feel the same way about this Royal Commission investigation in Australia. Um, I feel this way about the idea that we need to spend a lot more time investigating and punishing people who do not respond properly to sexual abuse, for people who conceal abuse. Because as I've said more than twice in this episode, they're more dangerous than abusers themselves. So while it sucks that we can't get the Brian Houstons of the world to care about the destruction of sexual abuse and the destruction of little lives and little, you know, spiritual beings created in the image of God. That's not that's not gonna do the trick, sorry. That's not gonna get any tears out of Brian Houston apparently. But if we can hit them somewhere else, like, you know what, you conceal sexual abuse you're going to go to prison, bro. Like you conceal sexual abuse and there is an actual punishment because not only is it illegal to not report, it is a felony to cover up sexual abuse. I love that. Like I think that that should be a thing. And then if pastors and church leaders Uh, were actually like aware, like, hey, if I cover this up, I could go to prison. Again, we're going to see things change. And it makes me sad because it shouldn't take that to make churches want to do the right thing. It shouldn't take lawsuits to make a church care about sexual abuse. And I'm telling you right now that that the the waves that we're seeing in the United States over the last like five, ten years, like the reason that churches are standing up and paying attention is because of lawsuits. It's not because of their deep love for humanity. And that makes me sad. Like it does. But we're seeing it. We're we're seeing it over and over again. We're seeing it in churches like Hillsong and we're seeing it in the Southern Baptist Convention. And we're seeing it in independent fundamental Baptist Church. Like everything is more important than the bodies and souls of little kids. And I, I don't get that. It's very confusing for me, very depressing for me. But I think that as these consequences come forward, like, listen, I wish that we could make everybody care about children being sexually assaulted. Like, I wish. Like, <laughs> I wish we could make everybody know that that was a terrible thing and, and have that actually like pull at their heartstrings a little bit. But since we can't, The really important thing to do, rather than worrying about how someone might feel about sexual abuse, is to just not let it happen. And the way that we're going to stop it is by stopping predators. And the way that we're going to stop predators in the church is by making it hurt When people cover up for them. And so if that is in the way of lawsuits and you're hitting them in the wallet, or if that is like in, you know, Hillsong's case and Brian Houston's case, allegedly, um, being charged with concealing child sexual abuse, if you know that this is something that is a felony that you can be charged for, that you can spend time in prison for. I don't know, if if the bodies and souls of children don't do it for you, that definitely should because guess what, that's about you and not about some inconsequential children. It's actually yourself that's gonna be in trouble. It's Brian Houston that's gonna have to serve time in prison, which I'm sure he'll just get a slap on the wrist if he gets anything at all. But I'm just saying, like, if people know that this... This is a very real threat. and this is a very real like you know possibility like I could go to prison because I didn't turn this person in. You're gonna find the Brian Houstons of the world in line at the police station the nanosecond that it opens, like the next morning after they find out or the evening of if they're able to. Like make it personal. Don't just make it about, what it should be about, which is little kids, make it about the cool clothes wearing, tattooed, funky haired, super cool mega church pastor person, <laughs> like make it about their discomfort and suddenly you see results. And last I heard, um, and I haven't heard about it a lot, but last I heard, prison, not super comfortable and they do not let you wear those ripped up skinny jeans. You're probably going to have to wear a color that doesn't look good on you. At all. Okay, I am done being sarcastic just for this evening. And I am going to bring our episode of Survivor Sanctuary to a close. And I got to find out how I can play that BBC documentary here in the United States. They did that documentary on Hillsong. Um, It's called God Goes Viral, but it was on BBC in the UK. And every time I've tried to download it, it's been deleted from wherever it is. Or they tell me, oops, sorry, you can't play that because you're in the crummy United States of America and we don't allow that. So if anyone knows how I can watch it, Drop me a line on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group page, and I will definitely click that link. Give me some clickbait. Well, I hope that you join me on the Facebook group page, even if you don't have that link for me. We would love to have you as part of the community, and you can let me know uh, what you think about the story about Hillsong that's in the news right now and everything that's happening. Um, would love to know what you think, and if you need support in any way, or you just want to like have a community of folks fellow survivors who kind of get you. That's what you're going to find on our Facebook group page. So check it out and uh, search Survivor Sanctuary podcast on Facebook and request to join. I'll add you into the group. Make sure you answer that question. Answer it. You can't get in. All right. I will catch you back here next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast.